Great. Steven, how are you today? Oh, I could use, uh, what's, what's a nap, but it's longer than like eight hours. Hibernation? Okay, I could use some hibernation right now. It's, uh, it's getting to be winter, so. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get very much sleep, and the sleep I did have was full of dreams of Pathfinder and D&D, like, numbers and spreadsheets. We may need to get which you. Which felt like a lot of work. You might need to get you another hobby. Just, just saying. So before we get into our main topic for today, Chris, uh, I guess we could talk about all the exciting things going on in uh, D&D and RPGs at large. I think the biggest thing that's happened since our uh, Spelljammer recording was that Watsi basically removed all the lore associated with the Hadazi and then removed all their artwork. So are the Hadazi just going to go away? Uh, I think Watsi is never going to look at the Hadazi ever again and be like, you know, we made these uh, things and um, they're there and we're never going to talk about it again. It's UA. Uh, it just didn't make the cut. Sorry. You know, it's it's actually kind of amazing that they waited until now to remove the Hadazi and like no one else was kicking up a fuss about like the Hadazi's like artwork until now with the release because like they had artwork of the uh the hadazi for since they announced planescape and for those who don't know the hadazi are a race of monkey flying space monkeys yeah they're like flying space monkeys and um really they didn't do anything for me so we didn't really talk about them beyond like their broken mechanics here the artwork was problematic for a couple of reasons uh one i didn't notice until someone pointed it out was they're wearing pants and shirts but the way their wing flaps are connected is at their wrists and their ankles so how were they able to put on the pants and the and and the and the shirt fairway velcro <laughs> you weren't around the 80s man. you're right it was, it was big it was big <laughs> they are huge buyers of tearaway velcro pants <laughs> like every time they get in a combat they just like rip off their pants. i don't know haven't you ever seen like wwe wrestling and they just tear shit off of them that's uh, you know, fair. getting it on's a little hard, but they uh they also had a very like kind of strong minstrel vibe to them, which is yeah, they, you know it's fine. They looked like space clowns with yeah, lutes. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, that wasn't problematic until I guess we got the lore on them, mm. where they were uh kind of manipulated genetic experiments by wizards, which uh, and then there are a couple of other parallels to to like racist parallels to like black people and things of that nature slavery yeah and slavery and and all sorts of stuff so they're like oops we're just going to delete all this information from D beyond and remove all of their artwork but the problem like they didn't catch this beforehand is all of their main designers are focused on one D, which we'll get to in just a moment and so like this is all kind of i, I don't want to say junior but like they're less experienced maybe designers and things aren't getting as closely checked over as they would because everyone's focused on like one D&D. And so like, you know, things are going to slip through the cracks. Of course, <laughs> there's the other issue of in 2E, Hadazis are called uh, deck apes, which also took someone else to point out. Sometimes you call a deck a porch and sometimes people call apes monkeys, which gets to the racial slur of porch monkeys and so it's yeah, there's it a ugly. lot of issues wrapped up in the hadazi it was ugly all around there's so many races to choose from from huey yeah they could have done the gift twice yeah i mean they 
Or a playable Neogi. That might have been kind of cool. If they're going to remake a fucking astral elf, then do lizard folks. Who who doesn't want giant lizards flying around on spaceships? They uh, did. Lizard folk already made. Yeah, but they, they can make us sp- an astral lizard folk. They Space did it with elves. They do it with elves for everything. Make a... Ooh, there you go. Just to completely, you know, drive me over the edge, they could have made a playable uh, Mind Flayer uh, race. Ooh, or a... Well, actually, I mean, speaking of playable Mind Flayer race. No. Uh, in third edition, there's a book called Savage Species where you yeah. could play as monstrous creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, which included things like the Mind Flayer. Of course, like you were just assumed to be a, uh, like you would treat yourself as, uh, I don't remember specifically for Mind Flayers, but you would treat yourself as like level one to like level five or like five levels higher than than your companions. So like when they hit six level and they got all like their six level class feed stuff, you would be hitting first level in that class, but still be six level. Um, no. Which I did make some homebrew that was kind of like Savage uh species where you can um take levels as it were in other monsters and uh have a stronger kind of like monster race but your your level progression was a little slowed down if you wanted like the full monster ability and you only unlock them at certain levels never bitch again about oh they've put so much stuff onto the dm that they have to do that that's you doing it to yourself I mean, that was just kind of for fun because I really liked the book Savage Species. I think it was, it was a really cool idea, and I think it could work well with 5e. Yeah, then well, 5e. I mean, it'd be really broken, but also at the same time, it's like, if a DM is allowing it, like, they know what they're getting into. Yeah. Like, well, that should be in, like, big bold on, like, the cover. It's like, if you allow this, you know what you're doing. The, that probably wouldn't sell as well. Probably not. But that, see, you do this to yourself because you'll do something like this. It'll be pretty neat. You'll mention it at the table, and you know that we have at least two people that sit at our table in our current campaign, at least the one I'm in, that'll be like, oh, they'll read it, and they'll come back to you, and then they'll start using these powers, and then you'll your brow will get all furrowed, and you'll be like, oh, why did I do this to myself? Uh, the thing that has furrowed my brow more than anything is like the battle dancer and, a, uh, and the lucky feet. Yeah, the, those are the two that really... Grinding, like, just don't cogs. let the lucky feet in the game. Well, you know, I would do that now. They did nerf it in one e though. Uh, it's in not nerfed. One D and D. It is not nerfed. Well, no, it's not the halfling. In fact, I is... feel like it got a buff. But we'll, we'll. I mean, we'll get to one D and just uh, calm we, your. We could talk forever. Calm about your that. horses. That's kind of. I I don't want to say it's exciting news. It's just. It's a problem that Watsi has. I'm surprised. You know, I thought they were hiring like diversity editors and cultural writers. It's and interesting stuff. So you say that. I'm kind of surprised that it got missed. They did. The last two books had. Unless they didn't do it for Spelljammers. They didn't. The last two um... books, if you look in the credits, have uh, diversity and I forget what the other word is. It's a diversity editor. Mm. Um, it's a consultant that'll go through and and obviously try and bring Watsi into the 21st century. For some reason, they're not in Spelljammer. They were for the for the previous two books. I know they were for uh, Witch, uh, Witch Light, blah blah blah. Uh, Wild Beyond the Witch Light. Thank you, and whatever the book before that was. Um, but no, and it was and that. Oh, it was uh, Radiant Citadel. I bet they yeah, were. and that was a lot of uh, that burned up a lot of uh, Reddit threads and Twitter feeds because that people wanted to know why they did that. Probably because they're all working on one D and D. 
Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. But it goes, yeah, which just means that this was like a throwaway. Like, ooh, let's try and get some more money while we're working on one D and D. I don't think it was. I think that they had this scheduled for a long, long time, and then one D and D just they started fast tracking it because I really wasn't expecting one D and D for probably a couple more years. I thought they would milk it five E for I as mean, much as they could. It's ten years once it comes out. It is, but and hey, one D and D is five E, Chris, and three and two E and one E and. It's not basic, though. No. Nobody should ever play oh, yeah. basic. I want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no cultural consult- consultant nope. credits. I mean, they might have, maybe, but you would think that they would put something in there. But no. Uh, <laughs> I would say, hey, we're available to be editors, but then I've gone back and looked at some of our old articles and been editing them, and no, you can't hire us for that role. I mean, editor just means you go back and fix it. Then I'm good at that right now. <sighs> so that that's kind of the excitement around Hadazi. Of course, when they pulled the lore... They then got a ton of people upset that their digital license on D&D Beyond, they lost access to pictures and lore. And so, you know, it was like, I don't know, Watsi is kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation where like people were upset there and then people were upset that they pulled it. And I think people are uh, failed Assholes. to read. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it's just more people fail to understand when you buy a digital product, you are not buying that product. You are instead buying a license to view that product or to access that product. But that product can be taken away at any time. It's just bad business to do that. Everybody uh, read those terms when you download Apple Music. Nah, you just, just saying, read, read them because, yeah, I mean. You yeah, think- I mean, if, uh, you know somehow apple like disappears tomorrow like all of your itunes music on because you never actually nope you didn't um and that's the problem with i mean i don't want to say it's a problem with drm there there are good reasons to have drm there are also good reasons not to have drm that's why i still have five thousand cds well that's also why i use like gog.com to like buy games and stuff is because it's drm free which Mm. means yes when i buy it i actually own it I can throw it on like a flash drive and give it to other people, you know, if I want to share things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So the other exciting bit of news is that one D and D had to release and we did, uh, and they did the survey for it. Uh, this one was all on character origins. We kind of touched on this a little bit last podcast. If I remember correctly, the only reason I want to talk about this is because uh, similar to the Hadazi thing, it seems like, anything that watsi can't do anything without being called racist well there there's the thing and and it we've had these discussions before as we sit across the table because you're (laughs) 30 i'm Uh, I'm 30 god i feel 80 i'm a little older yeah yeah 80 like i said you're not quite there although i did create time travel because i thought i was 52 all year and i'm only 51 i'll be 52 next year so i invented you bought yourself an extra year i did a lot of it has to do with the older generation players not understanding what's wrong with this well no so 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 let me tell you why one D is now being called racist which part of it is like you guys are just being not nitpicky but like being for a reason yeah like over exaggerating stuff and then other parts it's like yeah that makes sense yeah that that's kind of a misstep and but it's also ua yeah well what they're getting 
called racist for is uh the backgrounds the uh the background templates that they provided which again are templates is just a way of creating this uh background is that certain backgrounds like gladiator uh you learn orcs, which is like okay so apparently gladiators are largely orcs and so it's time to learn orc because you're a gladiator all right that's kind of problematic i get what you're saying um there's tinkering or like the tinkerer background or something where you learn gnome okay so watsi's assuming that if you're a tinkerer you speak gnome because apparently all blueprints are written in in gnome it was like all right i can get what people are saying there like that's a little restrictive on the other hand they are supposed to be examples of what a background can look like you are free to like they recommend making your own yep. and then you know, you can kind of look at what they're doing over here. Or they even say change the existing ones to ta tailor them yeah. to your campaign. I get why 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 people, though, are a little upset that, uh, like, you learn Gnomish if you tinker or you learn Orc if you fight. Like, why that's a little problematic. They should have had, like, a list of languages that you could pick. or And then, like, the last option would be, like, or any of your choice. <laughs> the problem I have is when they start saying Watsi's being racist because dwarves gain the ability to do uh to gain tremor sense or that orcs gain some sort of adrenaline rush where that is not like cultural stereotyping that is Watsi saying this unique race that are not humans has a physiological trait that either like in the uh the idea of orcs is that they can access their adrenaline faster as an adrenaline rush or that dwarves can have tremor sense. It doesn't matter if they've never been in a mountain or touched stone. If physiologically they can all gain tremor sense by touching stone, that's not going to change just because you were never in a mountain before. It's just part of your nature. It's like how we're all born with appendices, but we don't use it. It's still there. So, <laughs> I, but, but, uh, well, you know, so, wait, um, go back. Hang on. Yeah, definitely. So, who's. How is? I mean, it's just Twitter. Would, so you know, it's it's like one person who turns a mountain into a or a molehill into a mountain. Who are we? Who are we being culturally culturally insensitive to in the real world? Because dwarves have tremor sense, or gnomes can use tinker tools. Well, who, no, I mean anyone can use tinker tools, but the but idea who, no, is but, that all tinkerers or all gnomes tinker, which is why that language is deep. great. So, which is a cultural. Uh, but who does it I offend see. in the real world? I get when there's a parallel with orc, gladiator, and the stereotypes that have been attached to the orc. Yeah, like mongoloid features Correct. from Tolkien. Or... Yes. Gnomes, gnomish buildings, tinkerers. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the PC term is for someone that is, I don't know, short people. What? I don't know. What yeah. even, I don't yeah. even know. Who, is, who are we insulting? Uh, Who are we offending? Gnomes. Gnomes suck. I, they belong on your garden with pointy little hats and never move. I think move. it's more the people have problem with the cultural absolutism that comes with all people who tinker speaking gnome and all fighters speaking. That's the issue people are approaching it with. And I understand, you know, the cultural appropriate, uh, like absolutism that's going on, in which case it's just. You defeat that by providing more options than just a single option for your language or things of that nature. They write it in there. The other problem is I think people are way too fast to say that something Watsi is doing is racist because there are, uh, you know, 
D and is a lot bigger than it was, uh, which is great for it because it means we have a whole lot of new ideas. We have a lot of new people taking part in RPGs. There's a huge amount of cultural, like new cultures being introduced to it. I'm starting to think that no, I would was have always been the biggest proponent of the fact that I love that how much the game has grown since when I was a kid and got beat up for it. You say things like this and it hurts my soul. <laughs> the issue that we're facing, though, is a lot of people tie their entire identity up in D&D. And so they are, if they see something that does not resonate with them, within them 100%, they're going to cry foul way faster than other people. And now there are serious missteps that Watsi has made and they have backtracked on that. They have tried to to correct it and so that you can applaud them for doing that. The issue, I mean, and they still mess up from time to time like saying if you're a gladiator you automatically speak orc. Like, all right, that is problematic in itself. What's not problematic is if you're a dwarf and you gain tremor sense because that is a part of your phys physiological nature like that is just innate to being a dwarf that's not racist if that's if watsi is saying all dwarves have tremor sense because that is within their biological you know physiological nature that's like saying uh if they put something about our appendix and they're about humans like oh humans have a 50 percent chance of having an appendicitis attack every year like that's not racism that's just a physiological trait i don't but Everybody has thumbs. I don't care. Well, at this point, there is... The only way Watsi is going to escape being called racist is basically just being like, pick what race you are. You gain that as... You gain that name as your race. It comes with nothing else. Pick a background. You gain that name as your background. You gain no other mechanics. Here's a massive list. Pick five. Yeah, they're not giving enough guidance now. What are we supposed to do? I just... It is... The amount of shit that they have had heaped upon them is unfucking believable. I mean, people. Part of that mountain people, it's is a, their fault. It's a fucking pretend game. Please stop. Everybody fucks up. Everybody. Big corporations are just more people in one area fucking up as a group. They're trying. Well. They could get better, a lot Part better, of it a lot faster. Is Watsi signals a lot that they're very culturally aware, and so when they have a misstep, which kind they of do. happens often, yeah, they they get a ton of shit thrown at them. Mm-hmm. And so you know, part of it is they saw they could make a lot of money by talking about how culturally open and how 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 like I don't know, do kids say with it anymore? You're asking me. I don't know. I have so, kids. So, I don't know. So, so they go out of their way to show how culturally awake and sensitive that they are. Unfortunately, because of that marketing, they dig themselves an even deeper, deeper, you know, shithole because then they fuck up and it, it, it kind of shows like, Hey, there are a lot of talk. They don't always walk the walk. I feel like that's a nineties reference. That totally is. Okay. They probably don't say that anymore uh, as well. And so like, this is kind of like self-inflicted wounds on themselves basically but also at the same time like people are also ready to just like leap at the chance to go at watsi's throat fuck you go play (laughs) fucking pathfinder i mean mean, paizo has done a really good job of being very culturally uh aware and open um Mm -hmm. they're they just were they were ahead of the curve by about three years that's it not even uh if you look back they had negative they had you still wait you still have penalties 
in for races with in them. Oh, you're fine with that. You're fine with penalties in for for your race. I was race, fine with D and D penalties. I was too, but no one says anything about Pathfinder because they're the smaller one. Everybody likes the small guy. It's like when Atari was around. Do you remember? Do you know what Atari is? I know what Atari yeah. is, Chris. Atari. They got bashed after everything took off. Everybody loved ColecoVision or Intellivision. Oh, it okay. sucked, but it was cool. They had like three or four great games. Uh-huh. Everybody loved them. Nobody loved the Betamax, though. You know. Well, also, Anyways. I think one of the benefits for like something like Pathfinder 2E is that everything's behind a feat, so everything is by choice. So if you don't want like gnome lore, you don't have to pick that feat. You can pick something else, and right. so you have way more opportunity and freedom to make your character, which is kind of you're still starting off by picking a race with a negative benefit to that race. But they oft, but then you get even more benefits because you take that penalty. So okay. instead of only getting two free boosts, you get three free boosts I'm and not, a penalty. I get it, but you're I'm still saying, there's still a negative connotation placed upon that race based upon the fact that. They but are it's that race. never any mental, or well, uh, mm. it's never intelligence <laughs> that they that they take the penalty. I couldn't tell you. There's, it, it's unfortunately Watsy put intelligence for orcs. In back in Volo's guide, so unfortunately, Watsi kind of suffered. But also, like, there's more freedom because you have more greater choices, and so you never feel constricted by a culture that uh, being thrust upon your. Okay, so let me answer the question. If but if one D and D does that, let's say they put that penalty in, but you have more choices. I don't think they're ever going to do that penalty. They're just going to keep doing what Tasha does, which is you get to pick your plus two and your plus one. But to my, I'm not saying they will. Let's just hypothetically say they did that. That they let's just say that they blatantly copied Pathfinder two. Oh wait, that's what Pathfinder did with three point five. But let's say they it they, wasn't blatantly copying; it was using the OGL. There's and just taking everything, putting new names on. There was a lot of similarities. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. No, they were using the OGL. Yes. So it's Can not, not copying. That is using the OGL. It's not copying, Chris. If you are using something freely given to you, semantics. Um, the let's say that they did. All right. Exactly the same as do you not think that they'd catch a ton of shit because of those negative. That's because Watsy keeps doing shit to catch shit. And so everyone is excited to like jump onto poor Watsy. And that's what drives me fucking crazy. If you don't like it, go play a different game because people say this and it's true. There are a million other really people have made D&D their lifestyle game. And so D&D is their personality. I'm playing Blades of the Dark. Blades in the Dark is my lifestyle game. That could. I mean, that's fine. Visit me in jail. I mean, Blades in the Dark has its own cultural things, but it's yeah. also tied to a world. Whereas D&D is, it claims it is system neutral, system agnostic, when it's really kind of not. No, what are we not? Um, and so, like, you know, there's already a bunch of cultural baggage. And so, like, when you're making your own world, you're kind of like, ah, I kind of have to remember kind of what Watsy does, kind of not about what each of their races are and all that stuff. And so, you know. You, you, it's, it's kind of an uphill battle. I just, it's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse because yeah, you, you looking at you right now, you've never experienced what you have because you read a lot and research a lot. None of the people that just came on board have ever experienced an editions war. It's coming and they're ugly. Yeah. We talked about this before that there's going to be a Mm -hmm. big editions war. People are going to be, you know flinging shit on both sides and uh you know like people will be like oh i'm gonna play D before it became woke and you know play 2014 
5e D&D, and then other people will be like, well, I only like the woke, and they'll play the 2024 1D&D, which is backwards compatible with 5e, so it's basically the same system, but kind of not really. You think all the 4e people are just in the background laughing? To themselves. Uh, a little i mean All actually the four community is actually growing larger mm-hmm. because a lot of people are like leaving 5e and they're like oh i actually like 4e and how it works mm-hmm. there's a couple of minor things you have to do but i mean yeah four he just takes too long for combat that's the biggest well that's then. you see that's what they do is you have the amount of hit points monsters have in monster manual one and two and then you double how much damage in which case you bring it up to what monster manual three uh assumes and combats are a lot faster nothing's as slow as 1e though because you have to look up all the charts and then find your dice and then roll them seven times. Well, that's also because you would have uh, faced, what was it, like 10 to 50 kobolds at a time? Yes. And then your players would have, you know, their army of people. Yeah. Or, you know, that still, but they didn't really differentiate between levels. So you could still fight all those kobolds and be first level and have 10 sling stones, which you were required to keep track of. Well, I mean, you used to use tactics and you hide behind a door and yeah. you run a lot or you run it's like doctor who it's what we did best run okay well i don't it makes makes my it hurts my soul that's why we are we have a pretty decent presence on facebook i know you never even look at it um and we are on twitter i can't it's such a cesspool of anger and hatred it it hurts me and I'm not a happy-go-lucky guy most of the time. So that's probably why we don't have as much of a presence on Twitter as we do. Um, people, it's a fun game. Enjoy it. If it's something makes you upset, talk about it rationally with people and approach it rationally with people. You get more likes if you call something racist. I know. But you know what? Watsy has been good. Yeah, they make a lot of fucking dumb mistakes. They really do. But in the last, I'd say, what, 45 years... They've at least started owning up to them. They always did before. They're just really slow to do it. But they're owning up to them, and they're at least they're coming out in public. Uh, Blizzard mean, Activision. That's all I have to say. Go. That, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> the, the other issue there is just, you know, they have this huge baggage of, you know, like, not necessarily 4E, but like definitely 3E with like Oriental Adventures and stuff and previous history that they're trying to bring into 5E because of the Grognards, like the old guard that people have been playing it for years because that's what they're familiar with. And so they're trying to keep that cultural uh, baggage of D&D's right. past, updating it to 5E. And unfortunately, it's it, there, there was a lot of racist stuff in D&D's history and it's you know <laughs> but here's the other thing that I think people also have to remember doesn't make it right but at the time that Oriental Adventures the original because there was a lot of it written in Tui the terminology that was being used was socially acceptable uh, for the, some crowds yes for most crowds yes the, the, the early the early 80s I'll also you know I'm also gonna uh, racism no don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm just going to interrupt this conversation. This is also two white dudes talking right. about this. Right. We might be on the older side. Yeah. The, I mean, and it's like, it took me a while to use this. I've said this before. If you look at all the early books, the default pronoun was... He. Right. Not anymore. Nor should it should be. I never thought about that. That's just how, that's how I was taught to write. Now it's changed. I, I, I did appreciate in 3E where we had iconics for each class. So yeah. like, this is like... The uh, like the sorcerer was uh, I can't remember his name, but like you know, 
it was he him then there was a who was uh there was a monk she her and so they would write the class features based off of if they were taking it so like uh the sorcerer defaulted to he him and then uh the monk and druid would default to she her like the way that they would write it which is a little <laughs> kind of confusing until you realize yeah. how they were doing that because they just kept switching pronouns throughout the book but my point is this use they them friend. yeah the fact that well yeah or that's what, said, i guess that's what you do now you didn't do that then nobody mm. the 70s and 80s nobody was woke okay nobody it they if you as you move forward using oriental adventures as an example yeah you don't release a book in 2021 called oriental adventures unless you basically want to Go broke. I mean, or you have shouldn't have released burnout. it in what was it, two thousand one, when it got released as well. <laughs> well, but there was there was Oriental, there was a lot before that. I mean, yeah, I know the, the first Oriental Adventures mm-hmm. came out in I want to say late seventies, early eighties, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. It might have been eighty three, and then the right. one for three E, I think, was like two thousand one. It was like one of the first books they came out yeah. with, like swinging, like wow, that seems yeah, they all do. right. <laughs> Try and make the change as you move forward. Yeah. But people need to understand when they, as they start digging back and start yelling and screaming about they've always been this way. It's all, yes, but no. Put it into the context of the time frame that it was in. There's no justification on any level for racism. Don't get me wrong with that at all. There 1985 isn't. was the first one. Okay. And then 2000 was the second. I am not condoning racism. I'm just saying that cultural insensitivity was a real thing. Nobody gave it a second thought. And now they are, and that's a great thing. Well, this kind of, kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with my wife. And I don't know how much of this I'm keeping in. I might be cutting a huge swath of this. This story <laughs> might not even make it. But we were watching the first, the animated Peter Pan from Disney. And like oh, the flash screen was like, hey, there's some racist shit in here. And yeah, those Indian, that, that, I, yeah. uh, but like, and Watsy has this throughout like DMs Guild for all their old products. It's like, hey, there's some bad, uh, you know, like there's some racist shit in here. We don't believe this. And, you know, I don't want to see those things disappear, but I can't help but be needle at me that they're still wanting money for these like, like, like the really racist things where it's like, you know, like these things shouldn't disappear but also you're putting kind of, you know, like these things behind a paywall, like something about that just feels wrong. And it's like, you shouldn't make these disappear. But also at the same time, you're making money off of these racist ideologies. Maybe what should happen is these companies should like, you know, have the disclaimer, but then have it public and for free so that anyone can access it. Uh, that way you're not making money off of it, but you're also not hiding your sins of the past. But instead it's more like, oh, you put a disclaimer, it's fine. You can still make money off of it. And so you're making money off of your old racist behavior, which I don't know. Maybe I'm... You're a socialist. Know, I'm being a naive baby, but it's just like, you're not really putting your money where your mouth is when you're saying like, we no longer believe this. And yet you're still making money off of it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... I, but then Disney might not have any properties to make money off of by that point. Yeah. Valid point. I, I don't have an answer for it. I mean, I, I, I wish I did. It's... I really like the old stuff. That's the thing that I, you know, cut my teeth on. Uh-huh. But yeah, you're right. I mean, 
back then you didn't give it two thoughts now yeah. if i'm using something as a reference because i love looking at it, like old dragon magazines there's a lot of cringy stuff in there you're mm. like oh well God. it's like I as mean, a society we are getting more empathetic towards others whereas before <laughs> what society do you live in <laughs> okay some people in the society are getting a lot more empathetic and their voices are being heard more um than uh before when people especially you know the male ruling class didn't have to care because their voices were heard but with things like the internet you know people whose voices weren't heard before can now be and so you're kind of forced to hear them and forced to be more sort of for some people horrible two-way street and all the wackos can get connect up yeah well the internet's not perfect our main topic for today, I was about to say tonight, I, I don't, you know, whatever time you're listening to this, early morning before you have your coffee, uh, afternoon during lunch, um, in the background while you pick your nose, I don't know what you guys are doing. Hi there. How are you? So, yeah. I've been <laughs> yes. Try- Sorry, Chris. I got distracted. Yeah. I've been, was I picking my nose? I've been trying to get you to record this podcast for a while. So, Stephen, let's talk about the tools and kits series making tools useful in 5e uh you know chris i made the first tool when we was that to like 2019 january 2019 um sure. you think i, I think know so it. i don't remember i made it a long time ago chris. you did i can't even remember last tuesday i don't know i'm trying to remember when i first made something alchemist tools was on june 10th Yes, but that wasn't my first one. The no. first one was cook. Uh, so I made cook's utensils. Um, I think January 2019, mm-hmm. and then I've you know been making them, uh, uh, several of them every year. I haven't made as many this year just because hey, I finished uh, all the official ones, and now it's just random new ones that I think of uh, or that people ask about or things of that nature to to make. So like Fletcher's kit, fishing tackle, like those are all kind of new stuff in there. But you know. All the other ones have been done, including like thieves tools and vehicles, weavers tools, woodcarvers tools, cooking utensils, climbers kit. Uh, I won't name them all because... Yeah, we'd be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so they've all, you know, gone through the ringer. They all have expanded abilities. Um, some of them have recipes like herbalism kit or brewer supplies where um, you're actually making something and you hold on to that until later. And then there's other ones like disguise kit that just... Uh, expand upon it and give dms a little bit of rule guidance as to how they might interact within the game and you know you can use as much or as little as you want you can expand upon them for your own games things of that nature mm-hmm. but uh so i want to go over a few few yeah, of them definitely. just first off why what was the inspiration for doing this on the fact um, that you hated <laughs> because i thought they were really cool i don't know i like crafting uh or at least i like the concept of crafting a lot um i i always seem to get distracted in video games where there's a crafting crafting system like i really like uh like factorio and stardew valley where you do a little bit of crafting here or there which i think is kind of kind of fun i don't play i mean i used to play minecraft a little bit until i realized i spent way too many hours there (laughs) that'll do that and you know i i liked crafting i really wanted to do a lot with crafting and so the obvious thing is hey there are these tools they aren't doing anything how about we make them do something yeah and i mean i never understood why you would get proficiency in a tool it just seemed like it was something okay you can you have you have crafting here's some tools you never used it because 
I think in, you know, in that Watsy dropped the ball on this, they wanted the tools to be used like skills. And so instead of calling for a strength athletics check, uh, the DM should call for a strength uh, woodworkers tools check, in which case uh, that would give you your proficiency that you'd be lacking when you would make like a strength athletics check. And so the idea was that you would make these checks, but also you had a, uh, you know, like 24 or 25 extra skills that weren't technically skills. They were tools. And so that could help like the sheet look neat. You, you know, not everyone's going to want vehicle water as their proficiency. Unless you're in a pirate campaign. Yeah. Unless you're in a pirate campaign. And so, you know, like by making these unofficial official skills, like they widened what you could do with their ability check system. But unfortunately, I don't think that ever really came across. I don't know. I haven't read through the tool section in a long time, so I don't know if it was not clearly well uh, uh, written to the DMs or if it's just like a section that no one ever reads. Which basically says that you need the tools to be able to complete. Mm-hmm. whatever the thing you like you know for thieves tools you need these tools to you know yeah. pick a lock well i mean doesn't that's, help i mean everyone well no it does because you call for a dexterity thieves tools check yeah and but, so it's proficiency both your dexterity yeah. and then in like thieves tools gets like the most love out of any tool right. just because it's like oh everyone knows how to incorporate locks into a dungeon or into an adventure the issue is watsy never gave guidance on how to incorporate weaver's tools into an adventure or a dungeon and so people kind of floundered a lot with the tools because they weren't sure what to do with them and my kind of idea to do with them is give them mechanical uses and then give show the players hey with weaver's tools you can make like this certain clothing that'll help with like cold climates hey now they have a reason to Mm -hmm. use that tool or pick up that tool things of that nature did you there's been a lot of a lot of focus on downtime days, it feels like, in the last few years. Was that part of the reason you decided to go this route? I mean, there's a lot of like, oh, we're not killing things um, See. because we want to talk, you know? So <laughs> so now there's downtime. Do you Was that a piece of it? Uh, downtime's kind of tricky, I think, because some tables have no downtime mm-hmm. because, well, let's just get on with the adventure. No need to spend an, a week here. And then other people want downtime because they want because they don't want people to go from like level one to level 20. And uh, I think if you follow the adventure guidelines, you can do that within like two months. And they don't like that idea of like someone suddenly becoming an adventuring hero right. within, you know, even less than a year. And so they will uh, artificially place downtime days. So it like expands how long it takes to get from level one to level 20 in like years in which case yeah like you want players to do something there it wasn't me specifically trying to find ideas to fill up downtime days it was more of you know why not use this and if a player uses this wisely then yeah they get to use more of the tools that they that they have um it just kind of fit nicely in there it wasn't really anything i was doing great so i've got i you know, had to reread them this morning. Um, but you I've got read? four slowly, uh, four different tools that I wanted to just touch on, and then one other one that probably one of your more recent articles that revolved around tools. So obviously, the first one to dive into is this one. Probably put us on the map. Um, you know, we were yay 
people looked at our website. We were hung, happy when we had like, you know, triple digit hits. You must be talking about cartographer. Exactly. No. Um, and then this has exploded. It's still probably our most popular page by a lot every year, but Alchemist Tools. Yes. Supplies. Alchemist Supplies. Well, I think everyone's excited when they're Alchemist. And then you look at the Artificer Alchemist I wonder class how many, and you weep. I wonder how many people Google this and then come to the site thinking we're going to tell them how to turn lead into gold. But anyways. Um, probably all right. not non-zero. <laughs> I would agree. More than zero. Um, so first thing, well, the first thing I have to say I'm reading through all of these is, man, this was some of your best writing just from like engaging. Now you're just kind of meh. Anyways, I tease. I became professional, Chris. Yeah, well, I like this writing style better. So Alchemist Supplies. I tried to be more helpful now than uh, before where I was just <laughs> feeling grumpy. Yeah. Well, you're actually semi-funny in these. The Right off the bat, the thing I liked about Alchemist Supplies was you first go into the confusion between Alchemist and Herbalism Kit. Because the Herbalism Kit, the big thing for that is creating a potion of healing. And you make a very good point. The Alchemy seems to be more of the person that would actually make the potion. Well, there was herbalism throughout the books. Yeah, herbalism Kit's like, I'm picking dandelions. No, I get what they're saying. I mean... An herbalist can be, you know, a person that can grind it all up more, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and make something. But I mean, my dividing line between an alchemist and a herbalist is an alchemist has a shop. A herbalist goes out in nature and grabs herbs. Okay. Um, and so one's going to be more, I'm going to use the term organic, than the other one. The other one's uh, fast food processed uh, bullshit that you shove into your mouth and it's delightful, but God knows where it came from. Do you feel like there's any no don't do you feel like there's any line I kind of got this hint maybe I was wrong when I was reading through both of them that herbalism to your point organic's a great word alchemy almost had more of a magical flavor to it like you could do I mean they're both magical you can't just grab some moss and like slam it on someone and be like now you're healed right but you can mix it well I got I just had this feeling like oh I can take it and I can mix it with all this other stuff and make a paste that smells really bad and I slap it onto you and you're all healed just like in bad movies but alchemy was it had more of a magical tinge is that just something I'm I mean alchemy itself is just kind of a, a it, it's considered a pseudoscience. So, yeah, I mean, there's some magical qualities. And because magic isn't real on Earth, obviously alchemy would have Talk about magic uh, tendencies because alchemy can't happen on Earth. Okay, you're, you're, you're hurting my soul. So, yes, alchemy includes magic. Okay. So, let's take a look. Alchemy includes magic. You make me sad. Um, all right. So, let's walk through. I mean, alchemy is also like mad scientist level. Yeah. Awesome. Which includes magic. Yes. If that's the way you want to flavor your or your mad scientist. Works for me. So you, alchemy, you have recipes on how to make stuff. They're all DC checks. Explain the logic between how you decided to come up with those in here. It's spelled out in here. Don't get me wrong. You don't have to actually. Yeah, I know you have to look it up, don't you? But, um, no, I'm just. The, I guess, go through kind of step by step. Um, each one has different kind of names, like Smith Tools one I want to talk about, because that's probably my favorite out of all of them. But when looking at, at alchemy, it's minor, moderate, and what was the other? Masterwork. And some of the other ones have different names. Masterwork always seems to be the highest tier. The DCs, I mean, they're just simple DCs. You look at the DN, uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and then, uh, was it? Five is easy, 10's moderate, 15's hard, mm -hmm. uh, 20's very difficult. 
25's nearly impossible, 30's, or no, 30 is nearly impossible, I forget what 25, you know, they're all just synonyms right. of how difficult Okay. And then the DCs for each individual item is based off of, in my opinion, how powerful its effects are in, in the game world. And so the more powerful something is, the higher the C is. And the increase in gold cost. There's three things to kind of keep in mind with um, herbalism, alchemy, and all these other tools. Is uh, And I've had a lot of people ask me why um, certain things are more expensive than other things. It's... How much time are you investing in something? How much gold are you having to spend? And then what is the effect? If it's really fast to make, but really expensive, then there has to be, then the, uh, then the effect is going to be about moderate. And so you're kind of trying to balance these three main things. If something takes a long time to make, it's really expensive, then the effect has to be really powerful to, to make it worth it. And so you have to kind of think about it as a, from a game designer standpoint is, is the time invested in this, is the gold spent going to be worth the effect? So if it's really cheap to make, it's really fast to create, then the mechanics can't be that powerful because otherwise it would be imbalanced. And that would just be like uh, the thing that they always go to, to solve all of their problems. And so you can make something really, really powerful, but it has to have some sort of drawbacks or you can make something really, you know, not that powerful, like, oh, it turns your drinks red, well, then you can't have it be very expensive to make or for it to take a long time because there's no point in doing it then. Right. So, for example, I'm looking, I was looking through here, for Alchemist Fire, uh, it's 25 gold per attempt, takes you eight hours. Which I mean, that's is, just based off a of player's handbook. Right, which is pretty low-key. I mean, it, and it does... It's, I think, does, half yeah. the what it costs in a player's handbook because it should be cheaper for you to make something right. than to buy it from someone. I mean, if you do Masterwork version, which is DC-15 craft jackets, uh, 1d4 damage, that seems fair to me. You also have Oil of Sharpness on the flip side, mm-hmm. which is a 24-hour uh, crafting time, which, you know, is a decent amount. It's 1,600 gold. That's a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. Takes a higher, uh, it's a higher uh, crafty C if you want masterwork. It's twenty, but it gives you a plus three bonus, which on one thing, which to me when I first looked at, it, I was like, Jesus, that's a lot, and that it doesn't seem worth it. Not plus three bonus in five E is huge, so uh, it's uh, pretty big uh, comparatively to some of the other crap. Bounded accuracy is a lie. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a type of bounded accuracy, but. The well, actually, I don't know how how true that price is. Uh, I know you've gone through and revised some of them. Well, no, it's because uh, recently I'll put a link to this. Um, we did a series on pricing magical items, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if that price would still hold true now because uh, I have not gone through back alchemist supplies in like a year. But it seems you know I'm looking through, and it looks like you. You I mean you can make potions of healing. And they, they, you know, from a regular potion to a supreme potion, the cost goes up in parallel with the amount of the cost and time go up with the in yeah in parallel to the amount that it heals you, which makes sense. So if I'm I'm playing in a game and I have proficiency in alchemist supplies, when I okay, I now I have something to do with my gold, mm-hmm. which. Did that play all at all into this? I mean, if you're putting this into game, gold, you know, the gold economy is a mess in 5e. Everybody will agree on that. Is this? A, did you find this is a good way to have people do something with the, not only their time, but with their gold? 
Yeah, it was something to spend their gold on, but also I sold magic items, so, in my game world, so, you know, they already had something to spend gold on, you know, they could also buy ships, uh, houses, things of that nature. Um, I did recently, this was before I did the tools, learn that, like, after, uh, Watsi, if you follow their dungeon masters, like, their charts and stuff, you're supposed to have, I think it's, like, over a million gold per player, or, or per character, after adventuring from level 1 to 20. Like on your person, or like to- uh, like over the lifespan of the character? over the lifespan of the, oh, okay, the character. Okay. So it's like that seems excessive. Yeah, Jesus, I can buy my own island with that. Um, okay. So and then the inspiration to come through with some of these recipes. Now I know you put you went back and I, I just looking at it. I know where is it? Like you have smoke stick in here or thunderstone smoke stick. Uh, thunder- smoke stick from three point five, right? Uh, or is that from don't Pathfinder? So you have some ones that I know were from previous editions. I don't remember Smokestick, uh, where that came from. But Thunderstone uh, is, I think it was in 3E, but I uh, was looking through the 4E Adventuring Gear book. I forget what it's called, but I can put a link to it. Uh, and like they had Thunderstones. I was like, oh, cool. We can carry that over. That's something useful. Uh, some of it was also for like, alchemist supplies going through the dungeon master's guide and all the potions there and um kind of giving them conversion but i didn't do all of them because well i'm not going to go through because it's a lot of work when i can do custom items as well but also it gives guidelines to other dms like if they do actually want all these potions now they also have guidelines that they close excellent so you know i cheat by making other people do their work it's up to them ha i'm just as bad as well Oh, okay. I'll leave that one alone. So, in in our Pathfinder campaign currently, I I mean, I've got I love crafting, mm-hmm. except for the fact that everybody wants me to do shit for them. To be able to make, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you on this, especially with Alchemist Tools. How would you? Let's say I created five moderate potions of healing, and I don't have them in front of me. What if I want to sell those? What how? How do would you determine what if, what if I want to live in a capital society, make something and sell it for a profit? Is there a way to do that? Do you have you looked at that at all? No, I don't really look at that. I, I don't mean. even think the player's handbook really has that much or has that much. I think they basically default to half the like for like selling armors and weapons is like maybe half the value. But even then, I'm not even sure if it specifies that. Uh, it's kind of up to the DM, like everything at 5e. Um, all right. Oh, well, no, I mean, your next article should be then. Perfect. If you are personally crafting something and trying to sell it, then typically, because like Alchemist Supplies cost 25 gold to make, but it costs 50 gold in the player's hand. So you should be, you know, you are not an established seller in a settlement, unless you are, in which case, you know, you're selling anywhere between what it costs to make it plus uh, or up to like double its value. Because that was my general idea is to make something, it is half its value. If you, if an adventurer were to buy it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can always sell it for, you know, that much. Or maybe you can sell it for more if you're really good at, like, persuasion or deception um, checks. It's, it's kind of the situation within your game world and up to you. Product costs are high in your fantasy world. All right. Yeah, so Gotta make gold useful somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, alchemy, definitely the biggest one that uh, was on there. But... The smithy tools, smithing tools, smith's tools, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Smith's tools. Yes. They are, this is probably one of our other popular ones, and it's my favorite one, only because, and I got to go find it right now, you can have a wagon. You can have a portable forge, which I always 
I, I'm going to get one one of these times. Yes, the Traveling Forge. Mm-hmm. costs 800 gold. That, I can. I have that in my back pocket right now, which is my bag of holding, which I probably lost. Um, oh, I missed. Yeah, I wasn't going to get into that. So let's say, how do you, I guess what I'm, I love smithing tools. I wish there was more of a way to use it, which would come back to having the game you would need to be able to be like, okay, your shield is actually damaged for it to have a function to carry around a wagon with your forge in it and your anvil. How do you see putting these tools into the game to make it worthwhile to do this? Your okay, I get what you're saying. How do you quest with Smith's tools? Yeah, but like, what? What? Yeah, why would I? Why would I bother doing this if? My sword never, like, no one's sword ever breaks. No one's sword ever Throw goes dull. Throw a lot dull. of oozes at your enemies, Chris. I mean, the players. Yeah, you know, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but well, you know what I mean? I mean. Uh, so I had a similar kind of inspiration. I made D100 list, um, even though I hate lists. And it is just quest for tools. Uh, uh, I, you... That was going to be the final thing I was going to pull up. That article was one, one something I, I want to talk about too. Oh, I found it. Have I got a job for you? D100 quest for tools. Yes. And so, you know, part of that was like, all right, so I've made all these tools, but what can you really do? Like, they all have these mechanical benefits or like mechanical things so that you interact with the tool a bit more. Uh, unfortunately like smith's tools like you know you're kind of restricted to what's already in the player's handbook for making you could make more stuff but then you're starting to move further away from that the other thing i would add now to like smith's tools is talking about more like rare metals and things of that nature and how unlike how that might affect these or things of that nature but i mean that's kind of like a small addition there right the the thing to kind of keep in mind though with tools they you can do more than just make stuff with. They can be involved in uh, inside of like side quests and things of that nature when you're running your games. You know, like they don't have to be a major quest focus. Like the the end of the world isn't going to be reliant on your ability to smithy. But what you can do is have like little side quests that can uh, give players access to rare materials, things of that nature, to to help them build some of these items that they want. Or maybe, you know, taking Smith's tools into account, maybe they can get access to adamantine so that they can make an adamantine hammer or make adamantine plate or things of that nature. Right. Yeah, because one of the things I did appreciate in uh, in Smith's tools, the was there any temptation? Well, for you, I know the answer is no, but it seems like there would be a, a temptation to be like, oh, Smith's tools. Okay. You go through and you have basically the list of armors and weapons that they can create, the time, and all, the whole process. There's no magic items on there because, and I appreciate that because that's, you're not, you can make the plate mail, but then you have, there's magic involved be able to make it plus one plate. That's not what you're talking about here, correct? No, you're talking about being, magical. yes, you're talking about being a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. not a magical wizard blacksmith which i appreciate which, which really i mean if we're if we're going to look at like the historical context around blacksmithing that meant you're probably making nails and shoe horses yeah, you were making if common items there for people. were armorers who specifically like they only made armor because mm-hmm. that's all they were taught there were uh cutlers who made knives that's all they did they might make a sword, but no, they, their their primary focus was on knives. A blacksmith typically was just building supplies. And then there was one specific for horse hooves. And so they were way back then, you were you were 
incredibly specialized in your field. Um, whereas now it's a little bit more like we, we kind of generalize blacksmithing skills to be like nail making, swords, armor, all these other things that like it would be a hundred different very specializations for right. blacksmith okay. um, because not everyone needs a cutler and so you would uh like when there would be like a traveling cutler or you would go to a fair where there's a cutler there to sell all their goods and that's when you would buy a knife not you wouldn't go over to your blacksmith button and be like can you make me a knife and they'd be like i can make you nails <laughs> i can make some weird metal like vaguely shaped like a knife but like they wouldn't have the secrets towards knife making which was like passed down from master to apprentice and so um you know it's also why we have a lot of lost knowledge because things weren't written down because people didn't know how to write and there were very and i i mean i i don't know if this is true but i feel like they were more secretive about their their secret just us johnny Tremaine. did you have to read that book god it was horrible i don't know what you're oh talking. it's a horrible book don't ever it's it's a the kid i don't even know what book you're talking about johnny Tremaine. I don't know what you're talking don't, about. Don't. Yeah. I thought don't. that was the author. No, just no. Okay. Don't. Well, I won't read it. The uh all right. And so, so Smith's tools itself, yes, it is non magical just because it is not assumed that a blacksmith is gonna have spell casting. Now mm-hmm. maybe you could work with your players and if they are a spellcaster and they have blacksmith tools, like, hey, maybe they do know how to enchant objects. Um I don't For a real lot of gold. I don't even know if I've made enchanter I don't think you have. tools. I've done like geometry gemologists and things of that mm-hmm. nature but maybe i should look at doing a wand some maker. homebrew on it enchanters you have wand maker that's probably the most magical of the ones that i've looked through mm-hmm. um well the other issue is like how do you make the permanency spell in 5e uh permanency was in 3e but it spell. cost you experience points it only worked on very select things and it took a lot of money 5e you could have it cost a lot of money but like, what's the other trade-off for having something that's permanent? It yeah. takes a long time to cast? Well, that's not really all that great. Um, so, you know, it's it's permanency is a it kind of builds up all magic items, but we don't really talk about how it works or yeah. what it costs. Yeah, no, I guess once you enchant something, it's forever enchanted unless you have to drink it, eat it, snort it. Well, cons- yeah, that's what I just said. No. Um, all right, so, yeah, uh, Smith Tools was a fun one. I mean, I was... You know, looking through the the different quests, that could be something else. I mean, you could have your favorite plate of favorite set of plate mail, and then find somebody that to enchant it for you to make it into the. You know, you've learned some sort of you know secret way to build plate mail, and now it's this great thing. And yes, it can be enchanted. Maybe that's only certain armor. You have to hit a certain DC. Like it has to be a masterwork to be able to be enchanted. And then you go on a quest to find the right guy to enchant it for you. I don't uh, know. That's actually in, I want to say it's third edition where only masterwork items could be become uh plus one magic items. Okay. Um, but the, I mean, masterwork already gave you a plus one to hit. And so the, the magic part just allowed you to overcome reason. Yeah. All right. So getting better. I'll, let's or I'm mixing up Pathfinder. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's in this one. Anyways, we'll talk about, I want to talk about two more tools real quick. Yeah. Okay. Glass blowing. Uh, I think it, it is. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's, it, was, it was already there. Was it really? Yep. I did not know that. I've never seen it. What? Okay. What the hell do you make with glass blowers? That's what I asked myself That's the entire time. What I was, I'm like, what? I mean, really? It, plus that's i mean carrying around an anvil will you is one thing but I mean, carrying around this giant like 
forge-like thing. Well, I mean, a kiln? The you have like, to, it's a kiln, right? Yeah. Well, like, I, I think the idea with that is more like you have to make contacts inside of a town in mm-hmm. order to use it. Like Smith's Tools, you can make small items out because uh, you can actually get campfires rather hot enough to, to work with metal right. a little bit. But you can't get it hot enough to do, like, huge pieces. Just like with glass blowers, like you kind of need a shop to kind of work at. And so right. like this gives, you know, DMs, if they so choose, an option to to include a little bit of role playing along with the tools like, oh, you want access to work with some glass blowers uh, inside of this furnace. Well, they need maybe this this sand from a far away beach before they're willing to let outsiders come in and start playing around with their tools and things of that nature or maybe they charge a fee in order to use their their stuff uh or you know a variety of things or maybe the the shop got burned down thanks to an arsonist and hey while we're building if you go find that guy and uh maybe murder him for ruining our our life's work then you know we'd let you come and play with us yeah you can make a bottle to put a potion in anyways so the reason i bring this one up is this one seemed like the silliest one out of all the ones. Really? You think uh, that's the silliest one? But I was going to say, in your opinion, after going through all of these, which was the one that you did? And you'd be like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this one. Well, you can kind of look at order of release. <laughs> it went from, this is pretty easy, to, seriously? Yep. Okay, yep, so. Yep. You can kind of look at order of release with that. Um, I don't, uh, actually, I could the last one I made. At least official-wise, I've been making some right. unofficial ones like Gardener's Tools, uh, Gemologist blow- Engraving. Glass Blowers is pretty... pretty. Yeah, actually, it looks like maybe Vehicles? You know. Or is Tattoo Supplies? I don't remember. No, it's not. So. That's Pat, yeah, right. It might have been Vehicles then, which kind of were added on. Musical Instruments was one of the last ones I made. Woodcarver's Tools is probably the one that I struggled the most, uh, like trying to think of stuff to do with. Which is kind of just Smith's tools. Um, and then Potter's, Climber's Kit. The, like, so, you know, they're well, kind of near the end. Maybe, But, the... like, Thieves' Tools already had something going on. So I, I right. wasn't struggling with that. It's just like, well, people already have something. I don't well, and that, and that was the other question I wanted to ask you. It's like, I mean, well, for woodworking, by the way, the town could be having a big uh, soapbox derby and you have to build a car for a small child. You have those that were, like, glass blowing. That was I picked that one because I was like, seriously, there's good luck with this one. I have no idea how you did that. I would have just they said glass bowling's useless. Well, that's so, when you come up with things. Right, that's why you did them and I didn't. Um to the other end where the one that had probably the one that was the most utilized one to be able to take that and be like, okay, thieves tools is obviously. We use this a lot. This is the one thing that you can be like, yes, you actually need this to do X, Y, and Z for your check. Well, you expanded upon it. And the biggest thing you expanded upon was something I love, which was traps. Can you talk about that Are you a little talking bit? About thieves tools, thieves tools. No, okay. thieves tools. Well, there's also snare crafters, which is also. I traps. don't really give a shit about catching a rabbit. Uh, well, it's more than that. No, I know, but we're talking traps. thieves tools. Thieves tools, yeah. Uh, this one kind of more came out of the idea of, uh, and also I wrote an article devoted to this topic of like. You know, GMs don't always know what to do with traps. Or how do you make good traps? Well, in 1E, you just put a pit in there with spikes in the bottom and you killed the character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, the Dungeon Master's Guide had some guidelines for, like, damage severity by level mm-hmm. and trap safeties and attack bonuses. So I just kind of copied that over to it. But also it's like, hey, you know, some people like to make traps. Some people like to work against them. Traps are things that you can use tools on, so I should probably just address it. And, you know, like, a tool is more of, like, guidance for a DM 
not necessarily the player, about how to run certain mechanics. Yeah. Like these are ideas for the DM to use to try uh, to like implement in their game. And so with these tools, there are thing there are a bunch of different types of locks that I included yep. in there, which is not for the player. It's more for the DM to use this tool within their within their games, mm-hmm. and also gives like different. Uh, ways for the players to interact within the game and you know make it more exciting than yeah you picked the lock how exciting you know like like there there wasn't really that risk because nobody ever takes what's the spell is it even in fifth edition there's like a spell that would open locks uh knock, knock yeah yes that's in fish no yeah no i was thinking of something a different one no one ever takes knock ever 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 i, I took knock uh-huh you haven't played a serious character in how long <laughs> Every single character is serious. They just happen. People just find their seriousness rather amusing. Yeah, okay. We'll no, no. They're very serious about who they are. They're very serious about being a pain in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I can't help it if they're just humor. If people find humor in who they are, it's their defense mechanism for dealing with the things that want to eat them in the real world. But yeah, so so you know, like there's different traps, and like again, these aren't really for players. They kind of, you know, if they read through this, they kind of have an idea as to how these tools might interact with the traps. But it's more to give ideas to GMs about what type of weird traps can they include and things um, for their players to interact with. Yeah, swinging blade uh, sucks. <laughs> that would really ruin your day. 10 d 10 slashing. Swinging? Swinging blade triggers a pressure plate. Perception oh. DC is 18. It gets plus 12 to hit. And it oh, cuts you in two. half. Yes. Well, I mean... No, that's damage on successes. Half. I know, you but all in, my, in my brain, oh, it cuts you saying, in half. Well, I mean, if you're a commoner, yes, because 10d10 is a lot more than four hit. Even if you roll minimum, that's yeah. still double your hit point maximum. So, yeah, you would. Dead, dead. But, you know, like something like Petrification Trap, that's not really something that a player can can build. Or Sphere of Annihilation Trap, not something a player can build. But, right. hey, DMs. Here's some traps I've done. Sphere of Annihilation might be one of my favorite ones. Oh my god, was the campaign you ran where there was like a hole or a door or something we couldn't see through it? And we we're like, should we reach through? Should we walk through? And I was like, I don't know. And it was a Sphere of Annihilation that came out. Yes, eventually. When you put up Magical Darkness, no one can see through it anyways. And so dark people with dark vision are like, oh, there can't be anything dangerous in there. I can't see into it. And so then you hide a Sphere of Annihilation inside of the Magical Darkness. And then you just watch as they walk through and they get hurt. I don't think I got... The only thing I think that saved me was the fact that they move really slow, if I remember correctly. It's like 10 Well, I think the thing that saved you was that someone else triggered the trap as they walked into it first. (laughs) That's right. Never going first, kids. And you tried using daylight because daylight counteracts magical darkness. And so, like, it's radius. And you're like, oh, that magical darkness isn't fading away. Weird. Now it's rolling towards us. Everything about this is bad. Uh, all right. Yeah. Hide more spheres of annihilation <laughs> inside of magical darkness. That's that's the best trap. I don't know what to. Yeah. So yeah. So for these, it's I like the fact that you are using traps as a method for the DM to be able to use for the players to engage with their traps. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That thieves tools are required. Hey, I'm giving you traps. Let's break away from thieves tools. We're talking about thieves tools. What are you going to do? Use them. Here's the traps. We have to create all these traps first, and then now the players have a use for the thieves' tools. It's well, that's the goal for all tools. Is like, hey, GM, here's ways that you can use these tool campaign. You know, like, yes, when you look at something like alchemist supplies or brewing supplies, like it's just recipes. But 
a the recipes can be used as treasure for completing quests it could be like if you want this one recipe but only this one tavern has it like they're willing to share it with you but you have to go on a quest first and then you get a reward which is like a written down recipe of this thing that you're looking for or they might require wheat in which case you have to go out into the world and find weird ingredients like the wand uh, the wand maker rules or whatever I called them. Um, they all have like, you know, going off of something like inspired by Harry Potter, where it's like, oh, this wand has a core of like dragon heart string. Yeah. Like, yeah, these are all weird ingredients that do different things. And so like the idea is you go out there, you find those ingredients uh, to make your, yeah. you know, your tools. And it's, it, I love that because in the earlier editions, like now, if it has a material component, you'll be like, ooh, great. A pinch of, Iron dust and mistletoe. Mistletoe's in everything, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the higher level spells, you needed some serious materials. You couldn't just be like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm casting delayed fireballs. Like, mm, hold on a second. That's not going to be in your components pouch, which didn't exist because, you know, realistically, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head was it, that we've constantly used is I think it's Revivify. You need a yeah, gem you need that's 300 GP worth of diamonds. Right. Past that, Nah. But well, to your point, most items don't require uh, components that have a gold piece cost. Like identify requires a hundred gold. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's opal, and so in which case, yeah. But I like I like the fact that you can take guys. that and yes, I'm cutting you off because you'll just go That's down the rabbit hole. Um, about gold economy, heroes again. feast. You guys cast heroes feast a couple times. Requires a thousand gold goblet. That's true. But a lot of those hires, you'd have to specifically find that tail feather or a phoenix to be able to cast the spell. So it I mean. I like it. That's the well, one of the reasons it really appealed to me. And the issue is so many players are used to material components not really being important for casting a spell because you can just replace it with an arcane focus mm-hmm. or a material component pouch that like it they don't look at what the material components are because it's unimportant. Like the game has made it unimportant. And so I had someone like, huh, I didn't realize fireball required back. Wano. That's hilarious. It's like you've been playing this game for yeah. five plus years and you just now looked at the material components of a spell you cast all the time like it's it's you know like you're literally throwing flaming bat shit at somebody we got trained not to notice the importance of it and when you look at those material components you realize hey there's a lot of quests that can be involved here mm-hmm. we and so like looking back at like wand makers like that was a major focus where it's like hey these material components can be important we can do stuff with them of course now i'm wondering uh, if I'm remembering wand makes tools correctly. So, to, yeah, to, to pull it all together for that, it, it it's almost, here's like alchemy. For the alchemist tools, you can take that. A player can look at that and be like, oh, this is great. I want to and bring this to their DM and be like, hey, have you seen this? Looks looks great. I want to be able to create some of these. What can we do? The flip side to that is for thieves tools, a DM's going to take that and be like, wow, these are great. How am I going to incorporate that into a campaign? So you, you've covered both sides of the spectrum. I think that can, certain tools can appeal to certain groups, you know, certain to the players or the DM. Because I know people that have gotten this, they're like, hey, I showed this to my DM. I want to be able to do that. And we've incorporated it into our game. The flip side is DMs are, I've seen DMs come back and be like, hey, I found this and I've added them to my games and my players love it. So both sides can look at it. It's not the old, oh, or no, you, you can't the, look at it. Whoever made this is an idiot. 
No, we haven't gotten that. Zan- I know I got one for Xanathars. It's like the ones in Xanathars are perfectly fine. You don't need to recreate them all. No, the one I the ones I love are when the people like will tell you historically that's not correct because a cobbler was blah 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 and tells you like I'm like really I don't. People are passionate about the weird knowledge they have. Uh huh. Really weird knowledge. What was the one? That, there was one that oh it was someone going into the radiant heat that is produced from a fire in when Smith tools that would be needed. I was just like, I, I failed chemistry. I don't care. Um, it's a fucking made up game. Anyways, uh, you live in a magic world. So where do you see yourself going next with the tools kits I don't know. and stuff? Maybe I'll come up with more ideas, make stuff. Okay. Uh, I is there anything on? Is there? I do need to go back through and like some updates here. Maybe add in some more magic items and stuff. Is mm-hmm. is there? Now you there have been additional recipes for five of them, correct? Yeah, yeah. There's additional. So if you're willing to pay a small fee and buy off of the dumpstat store, we have made additional recipes for alchemist supplies, herbalism kits. Uh, actually, the herbalism ones are nice because you can also get an illustrated version where um, you have like artwork and stuff for unlike cards and stuff that you can give to your players uh, just to make it look. There's brewer supplies. There's smiths. Uh, no, I haven't done smiths. Poisoner kit? Poisoners. Yes, there's poisoners. There's something else. I can't remember. Poisoners is also one that's very useful in the game. I think that's one of the ones that can be utilized also more than others. Uh, okay. And, and, you know, maybe one day... Uh, they'll all get shoved into a single book. Um, and yeah, I was just about to say, hey, you're going to cut this piece out. But I was going to say, so when are you going to combine all these into one book? And Cocaine. That was the other one. Cocaine? Cocaine. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows, Chris? Who knows? I mean, 1 D&D is coming out soon. When... So it's like, do I update these for 1 D&D? Or like, you know, it's technically backwards compatible. So hey. do I just make the DM do all the work? If you're happy just having me bug you about it every month from now to the end of time, that's I mean, fine. Hey, we get more people saying that they want a book of tools. You know, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take, I'll start clearing off projects from my list too. Well, you know, if I had access to the actual things and I could do it myself, but you won't give that to me. So fuck you. <laughs> Well, that's because, Chris... It's proprietary information? Yes. Okay, good. It's proprietary Steven information. Yeah, Dumpstat owns all that. You were working for Dumpstat when you did it. No. We're like a sophomore company. I was working for myself. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay. So, if you haven't taken a look at the tools, definitely take a look at the tools, but the... I think a great the great tie-in for the tools was the quest for tools um, because it actually... And a lot of them are good for especially low levels. I mean, there's or, a lot of simple things to do. A lot of them are great to just roll a D100 and then, you know, like someone can't make it. So you just want to do a side quest instead mm-hmm. of like the main quest thing. You're like, oh, this blacksmith needs weird Umber Hulk armor. Uh, it's probably in the cave over there. <laughs> Go in there. And that was the other thing I was, I was thinking about with that is like talking about downtime days. It's like, great. Okay. They're tired of going into the dungeon and trying to have a run home to heal. So we're going to just have them take a left turn a little bit and they have to go do X, Y, and Z. It's something that is just nice to get off the beaten path once in a while. So they're fun throw-in kind of adventures. You know, side quests are very underrated these days. Um, Players would rather just do dumb shit instead of going to side quest. I did write about how to create quests this last week. So I'll I'll leave to that one. Good, good, good. Just, you know, in case you want to include more or like come up with better ways of making quests and trying to understand like the intricacies between like what's a major quest, minor quest, side quest, like 
where do you draw the line? Things Usually when they're dead. Uh, so, all right. So I think next, probably our next podcast will be on one D&D because by then the second uh, UA should be out for. I think it's coming Maybe. out October 1st. They're supposed to release it monthly. Uh, they said they were going to try and do it monthly. They but said they're no- releasing it Monday. Mon- was it Monday? A week from Monday? No. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what day it is. Yeah, I don't. Time has no meaning. New stuff. So, I just know they said that they would be doing thing or like their goal is monthly, but it wouldn't. We can talk about one D and D a little bit more as it moves on. I think it's going to merit more conversation. And plus, there's not another book coming out. Oh, we can just put a poll up again on our Patreon and see what people want us to talk about. I mean, Dragonlance is coming out in December, and I have no interest in buying their pre-order thing on these website because a lot of money. Yeah, well, it's also the other issue is like I'm kind of losing my excitement for like their product releases, especially with how Spelljammers came out, where it's just like that was not useful. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have to see. The most useful part about you was the Monster Man part. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be stuck in neutral because they're waiting for 1D&D to come out. So it should be interesting. 